Welcome to the Dark Academicals, the podcast where we delve into the mythos of dark academia one book at a time. I'm Sarah Purnell. And I'm Sophie Waters, and today we are looking at Curious Tides by Pascal Lasselle. Emery has returned to Aldrin College for Lunar Magic to uncover the secrets behind the death of her best friend Romy and seven others in mysterious circumstances the year before. Mysterious circumstances that changed her magic into something dangerous and unpredictable, eclipse magic. The only person who shares her need for the truth and she can trust with her secret is Romy's brother Baz and she enlists his help in getting answers. But they're not the only people looking. There's a secret society operating at Aldrin and they're more dangerous than she could have expected and willing to go further than Emery could have imagined to uncover the truth. It's a really difficult book to summarise. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot happening. And I mean, on that note, before we do get stuck in... We do have uh, some content warnings for death, blood, grief, confinement, toxic relationships, among others. Please do check the content warnings before you read this book. And this is your spoiler warning. We will be talking about the book in full, including quite a lot of plot twists that come through in the end of the novel. If you're not signed up to our mailer and a member of the Dark Academicals Book Club... You totally should be. So it's the darkacademicalsbookclub.substack.com where we have exclusive episodes, we have extra content, we have author content, we have all sorts of special fun stuff and exclusive bits and pieces for our, our paid members and also extra stuff for non-paid members. We, we love you all and we'd love for you to come and join us over there. Yeah, so that's all the admin now away. So I guess we should answer the question of why did we choose this novel, Sophie? I have to take responsibility for this one because I really love the cover. <laughs> I just... Do you though? That's interesting because I don't like the cover at really? all. Really? It was yeah. one of those ones that I saw it and was like, I need this book in my life. It's that, it's that little sunburst, right, that's around mm. the moon that's like, I feel like is on every cover that features something to do with the moon that i just hate i love it yeah do you (laughs) yeah so that art deco isn't it it is and it's the colors as well i love that color palette of that like icy blue the silver and the black it just does it for me (laughs) big fan (laughs) and the hand coming out of the waves yeah i like that bit <laughs> it's just beautiful. To be to be fair though, this is billed as was it your the the next your next dark academia obsession. It's on every tagline. If you open up the book page like on on like wherever you buy books from, it literally comes up on the top of your tab like you can just see your next mm-hmm. and then obviously you know what it's going to say, but like that's a big that is a big bold statement. So it's the uh like the publisher tagline an atmospheric dark academia fantasy for fans of and wait wait for it the atlas six the binding the hazelwood and fourth wing set in a world of lunar magic secret societies and dangerous (laughs) friendships talk about ticking some boxes with those comparisons it also is consistently compared to ninth house and a deadly education it seems to be those two as well i can i can really clearly see the comparisons to a deadly education Ninth House, not so much. No, and also Fourth Wing. I mean, I know I've you not read it, read it, but yet, I know of it. <laughs> I just, I can't see that. It's to no, no. <laughs> it's no. 
it's very I much mean, a uh, drop in the name of a very very popular book <laughs> yeah i mean from the books that we've read like more recently i think mm-hmm. it definitely has like yeah it has a relation to um a deadly education but also a study in drowning yes um i do agree with the atlas six comparison yeah that's true i can definitely see that i like this more than atlas six i did too yeah i didn't like the atlas six very much at all i think that really yeah that could have been great with a bit more editing but yeah it just wasn't quite there no, but that's, I mean, that's if you not want the... to hear, yeah, if you want to hear all of our thoughts on the Atlas Six, we do have a whole episode on it on a season that was a little while ago. <laughs> Let me see if I can confirm what season that is, because we need like a handy reference guide. We do, or better memories should... that would work too. We, we should make little flashcards so yeah. we can just quickly look at what what was on what season. Oh my gosh, it was actually quite far back. Season it two? was the first episode of season two. Yeah. Mm. Nicely remembered. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. So as ever, we're going to run through our tropes of Dark Academia and see how Curious, Tide, Curious Tides holds up. And if you want to get more info and a bit more of a an understanding of how we came up with these tropes you can head to our an introduction to dark academia episode which is way way back at the very beginning of the podcast and that'll give you all of the information that you need so first up we always look at whether or not the book is set in a higher education setting often on campus and usually elite or exclusive in some way and it is (laughs) it definitely is yeah so Audrey college is a university i think she's 19 isn't she emery i would i would guess so if she's in her second year of university i mean we talked about this earlier how it is often um marked as a young adult novel i'm not sure by publisher i think it's more reviewers it's it's simon schuster children's yeah is it in the UK anyway? Yeah, Simon and Schuster. That really UK. surprises me. I mean, it does fit, but also I just feel like there are some there are some elements, and also that I mean, lots of elements, but that kind of tip it over more towards like new adult and adult. Yeah, I definitely think it's one of those crossover books um, that could kind of easily fall into either category depending on what you're looking for and what you're focusing on. Because I think there's there's a lot of darkness in in the world, in in this book and also in our real world. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> sounded like a very dramatic statement there. I thought I should. There's a lot of darkness in the world. <laughs> Bring back the light. How long till summer? Oh, don't <sighs> start. It's just too much. <laughs> uh, I've completely lost my thread now distracted myself <laughs> the ya element the ya yeah. yeah so there's there's really dark intense um very big issues and problems and events that have happened to these characters but they also read like 16 year olds a lot of the time yeah and i, I f- mean i was gonna say i will say when i was at university i can't necessarily own up to acting like an adult 
Um, <laughs> no, me either. And I guess that's probably just a problem of um, reading it as 30-somethings, isn't it, I guess? Maybe. Um, but again, I think there is a way to make it read like a 19-year-old and... I don't know. Yeah, it... Yeah. I th- I wonder if it's the presence of the love triangle sometimes. I think if that's so. what I was... immediately takes the age down. Yeah, I mean, I was immediately thinking of A Deadly Education, which we featured on yeah. our first episode of the season, because, again, it's that element that seems to really bring the age category down. Mm. Because, um, honestly, there's nothing like a crush to make you age down a couple of years, is there, really? Yeah. In the no, way you're acting true. and the way you're thinking. Like, <laughs> that sends you straight back to being 16, regardless of how yeah. old you are. Yeah. So next up, we have Secret Societies, which is a definite tick on that one. It is. Um, I really struggle to really understand this Secret Society. Yeah, it it came in quite late, didn't it? Yeah. Because this is a long book. This book long. is 540 pages. And honestly, for most of it, not a lot really happens. It's mostly just character work. Mm. Um, and I guess world building and magic system building. Um, so by the time we're finally introduced to the secret society, for me, it was a bit like, well, why didn't we know about this earlier? Yeah. Because this is actually an interesting plot point. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. And I think if you're listening on audio, this is over 15 hours long. Mm. So at this point, you're probably about, I don't know, six, seven hours in. Yeah, if not. I feel like, and and, yeah, it feels like you have almost been cheated as a reader because up until that point, I mean, it's fine to change motivations, but I feel like up until that point, you kind of feel like you know where it's going and then suddenly mm-hmm. there's a secret society. And, like, the motivation seems to change and it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, I don't fully understand why she wanted in with this secret society so badly. Like, the whole grief over her friend Romy seems to just be dropped for a bit. Do you know what I mean? Just to pursue her own ends? Yeah, it seemed much seemed much more connected to her feelings for Kieran, didn't it? Yeah. Um. But I also felt like I didn't, like, I I understood what the secret society were trying to do. You know, lots of these uh, students had lost their parents to eclipse magic, um, collapses. It causes like a, it's like a magical explosion, isn't it? That sometimes causes yeah. an actual explosion and people get caught in the crossfire because it's a very um, temperamental magic if you lose control of it. And they all want revenge. And they're basically trying to, you know, close off that kind of magic. But we don't find out that, find that out until very, very close to the end. So for most of the time where we're kind of with this secret society, it seems to be just acting badly, drinking, having parties. Yeah. And I just find the whole thing a bit flawed because like, why why are we trying to wipe out these wipe these people out rather than do something to help 
do you know what I mean? Like, and also to get revenge on on what exactly? Like, I just don't understand. It's not like it's not like these people wanted to kind of self destruct. Yeah, I mean, they lose you know everything. I mean? They lose their magic. Yeah. They lose their freedom. They lose their identity when that happens. So yeah, they they've already been just like more than missed <laughs> for their for that accident for um yeah. Yeah, it was just a bit wishy-washy, wasn't it, on yeah. on that front. And I think it would have been so much more interesting if... So, obviously, towards the end, this is your final spoiler warning. I know I've already spoiled some a lot, but this is a big one. We find out that the Institute, where um, these people that have exploded or collapsed, as it's called in the book, um, are sent because, you know, they, they are then under state control, essentially. But it's actually that their magic is being drained and being used by, you know, bad people. Yeah. Um, I just thought it was so obvious. Yeah. I don't know. I just, yeah. But also, I kind of feel like, wouldn't it have been more interesting if the secret society was like on, <laughs> was like, I don't know, trying to obtain their own eclipse magic to yeah do something in that rather than just falling inside with the generically evil yeah, under, under the it, guise of i just need revenge for my dead parents <laughs> exactly because the multiple times kieran refers to himself and also is referred to as someone who's very like hungry for power so mm. that would make more sense if that was his ultimate goal rather than they, they killed my parents like i mean yeah. it's a great motivator mm, but also it, it wouldn't it be even more of a better revenge if they then took that power for themselves. Yeah. And that. it would, yeah. It would also be more in line with Dark Academia. Yeah. With that kind of, that, uh, that so power hungry and ambitious that you kind of blur the lines between what you want and what you should have and what is, you know. Yeah. What is acceptable to reach for kind of thing. Yeah. But I think that's that would you'd have to change the framing anyway, and you know we we spoke about this as well. How I think for me it, this book would have worked better from Baz's perspective, pretty much mm-hmm. solely. Yeah, I think you could have told it with Baz and Kai. Yeah, as the main characters. Yeah, I think so too. I think that would have been a lot more interesting because Emma Emery's fine. So I her name is spelled Emery and I want to say Emery but the audiobook pronounces it Emery and Emery. It, I think it's just the I think it's just it. the accent but anyway the audiobook is wild but I'll talk about that in a bit <laughs> It is a little weird isn't it There's there's a lot of conflict there there's a lot of internal conflict there's conflict between the two of them they're both holding massive secrets they've both been betrayed massively yet there's that kind of like connection between them that would allow a view into two very different sides of this world yeah and I think it would give a lot more room to develop the world and the magic especially hearing from Kai and also, let's face it, Baz is hot for Kai. And vice versa. And <laughs> vice versa. And I just don't know why that wasn't explored more. Like, was it accidental? And if it was accidental, <laughs> then almost like fine. But if it was on purpose and it wasn't explored, why? 
Yeah, because it, it reads very much like an obvious Baz and Emery uh, endgame, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that also feels makes it feel quite YA. Yeah, I just, I don't, they have no chemistry, like, at all. We're told that, like, mm. I think he seems to feel more than she he does. does yeah. like, but we're kind of told it rather than we experience it. And she just leads him on for the entire time. She's just using oh, I know. him. And then gets into bed with Kieran. Oh, like, what she literally doing? sleeps with the enemy. And I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> I just don't, uh, there's a lot of things I don't understand about Emery. Like, I don't understand why she lies throughout to Baz when the real truth isn't actually that bad. She just missed her friend and followed her. Like, that. that's it. Like, I don't know what's so bad about then saying that to Baz when he. she's like, yeah, it was just a dare and we all went along with it. No, mm. just say you weren't supposed to be there. Yeah. Because surely that looks even better on her. Like, she was worried and she followed them and... You know, she the bit that she can hold back is the bit where it's kind of her fault that they <laughs> they all went wrong. But. Yeah, it was it was a weird way to create tension between them yeah. when there were other more logical ways to do it. Yeah, I mean there was already enough tension there. <laughs> like it, it, it didn't really need a, need an outright lie, did it? <laughs> it's just like poor Baz, he lost his sister, and yet it's all about Emery. <laughs> It's all about Emery. Yeah. And I, yeah, I think as well we're missing, we're missing that connection because we never really see anything of Emery and Romy together. We have so a So we few don't flashbacks. get any of the before. Yeah, we do. I think we needed m- more. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Only because whenever she seems to refer to to Romy it's like oh she had new friends and what have it like it, it always seemed to be she was apart from Emery anyway oh okay you know? yeah yeah because most of the flashbacks were after they'd kind of begun to drift apart wasn't it yeah like I, this page this book didn't need any more pages but you're right it did need <laughs> it did need more of that kind of grounding connection between um, yeah. Emery and Romy I think yeah I agree I just Personal preference, but I'm not a massive fan of flashbacks. No, I think they, I they have mind... to be done right. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind a, a like a parallel um, timeline. Oh no, I love that. I love a parallel timeline. But, it's just, but a flashback, yeah, it doesn't always work for me. I've got to say, no. But it, this needed them, I think, to to anchor that. Or it would have been quite effective if you'd done like the before and the after. Yeah. That that would have worked for me yeah. a lot. I think the old <laughs> Gothic architecture worked for me though. Yeah, definitely. Um, I did take slight umbrage with the secret library. Well, not the secret library. The library that you need like a special ticket to go in. Mm. Did they ever go in again? <laughs> I don't know if they did. This massive world building with this library that you have to like get a special code. Or whatever. Like you have to get a special pass to go mm. in and then somebody lets you in or what have you. Do you know what really, like, am I, I listened back to this a couple of times because I was like, am I hearing this? There's a waterfall in the middle. Yeah, I think so. When I get all the books would be damp. Magic? <laughs> no, we're not, we, we're not playing that game. 
<laughs> if everything could be explained away with magic, then there wouldn't be half the problems there were in this world. Okay, would that's there? Like, fair. like yeah. the complete lack of adult intervention, other than mm. doing the whole forbidden forest thing, you can't go over there. Like, I don't know. There were just where were the adults? Like, I know they're supposed to be adults, but where were the where were the adults? Why are all the books getting damp? <laughs> Apparently, I have a lot of feelings about this book that I didn't realise until now. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I think the only time we really see an adult kind of play a central role is obviously Baz's dad towards the end. And obviously, he's Mm. kind of like, he's a figure in Baz's mind for most of the novel. But we don't really see him physically until the end. And then um, the head teacher, who's, you know the dean who is part of the well she knows what um kieran's secret society are really doing and she's kind of helping them out kind of thing um evil i mean that that's ninth house that's i suppose the ninth house kind of connection maybe yeah yeah i suppose (laughs) i suppose spoilers for ninth house there look (laughs) you've had a spoiler warning <laughs> just for every book that's ever existed just yeah just expect that to be a blanket spoiler warning <laughs> do you know what on a, on a complete side note about ninth house i was fairly ambivalent about ninth house but i have not stopped thinking about hellbent <laughs> it just it got itself under my skin and the fact that it's a good one it was so good and the fact that Lita Bardugo has announced other books that is not the third Alex Stern book is, <laughs> oh, it's frustrating. <laughs> hey, you know my pain now after finishing Ninth House and just waiting on Alex Stern number two. And you're like, what's it going to be? Yeah, I hope she I tell you do what, whilst we're, on, whilst we're on the subject of books that we can't stop thinking about, and that is um, The Whispering Dark. Yes, one of my favourite books of 2023. Hands just, down. I just loved it. It was so good. And do you know and what? And I feel like... Go on, sorry. No, sorry, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, all of the things that we've whinged about feeling YA in this one, that nailed. It did it right. Yeah. It I always kind of wished, yeah, that that um, Curious Tides was more um, Whispering Dark, you yeah. know? If you're going to do YA, lean in. Yeah, just lean in. Go for it. That's what we're here for. (laughs) And I think our next book on the podcast is going to do that. I hope so. So We need a a win. We do. It's been a lacklustre start to the season. Book-wise, we hope the episodes have still been fun. But uh, (laughs) our reading experience is not as much. No. (laughs) So, old gothic architecture, we're giving it a tick. We Um, are. Preoccupation with classical studies, Latin, Greek, literature, philosophy. Yeah, because there's that book. I, c- I can't think of the... N- <laughs> yeah, because there's that book. It's, it's, <laughs> why can't I think what it's called? The Drowned Gods. Oh, I, the name the of, Drowned Gods. The yeah. name of the duology. Like, yeah, I thought like, you mean the actual book book. Yeah, but... Uh, and the author and the kind of like the hunt for the epilogue, although that kind of peters off a little bit as well, doesn't it? It, it does. And I don't think it's from a kind of like perspective of uh, 
obsession about the subject but more about where that's gonna lead if that makes sense so yeah, like yeah they're not it's not even in the same way as in like a study of drowning that kind of obsession i don't know i don't know how to explain it but it's more like a means to an end rather than something that they genuinely would be interested in or be pursuing if it wasn't for you know what i mean yeah so it's, it's basically like they need this secret solved these answers to this mystery in order to for some people to carry on doing evil things <laughs> and for other people <laughs> for um questions about their own identity to be answered yeah yeah i see what you mean yeah but, but it is there it is there but like in the wrong way <laughs> yeah and again it's another case of like are these people actually at university? What are they studying? When do they study? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, what is the format of the school other than like, I don't know, some people seem to be studying plants. <laughs> Other people, I just don't, it's a very complex magic system. Mm -hmm. But the practice of which seems to be quite basic and simple. Yeah, because I think what I took was that the studies are based on your your lunar house magic mm. but that's just an assumption <laughs> i don't know if we were i don't think we're ever properly told yeah because there's no studying really and i'm not really than... sure what i don't know <laughs> i struggle <laughs> with like i did struggle a bit with the magic system in that like nobody ever really does any magic other than the heat, like the healers, you see the healers do stuff, yeah. and then you've got like um, people walking in nightmares, like that kind of thing. But like, you mean like day to day, everyday magic? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you see Baz like trying to bend time, like casually. He does it almost like he's breathing. Yeah, but the way I understand it is, it seems to be if you're in that cycle of the moon you can access your magic easily if mm -hmm. it, if not then you have to bleed to be able to access it with the bloodlet yeah is that right that's that's how i understood it so hopefully yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's a very complicated magic system and i think even though it wasn't developed maybe as much as i would have liked or as much as it perhaps needs because it is a very fresh original magic system Mm. Um, but it was one of my favourite elements of the book because it's something that I hadn't really come across before no I, I did like the moon phase tattoos on the arms I was like oh how very house of night of you <laughs> oh my gosh house of night <laughs> what yeah. <a> flashback <laughs> how far did you get in that series I don't know I lost track but I definitely didn't make it I mean, have they finished? Is it still going, technically? So, or? Let me let me find out. Because I got to book three and was like, Is I can't. It? Yeah, I was like, I can't. Oh, no. Okay. Let me just, how many like, books are there? I'm just looking up. Um, I was like, I cannot deal with this anymore. <laughs> I think it was at, at that point she had like five different guys after her. And I was like, nah, mate, I'm out. Yeah. And then at one point they go to like Scotland. It's great. <laughs> Okay, so there are 12 books in the main series. Yeah, then I don't there think are, I finished the main series. There are two, there's a graphic novel and then there's a four book spin-off, 
which ended in 2020. So it's actually quite recent. I just, I'm going to, no, I'm not going to say it. Oh, you got to say it now. I'll I'll (laughs) edit it out if I need to edit it out. (laughs) I just, I feel like House of Night is Morganville Vampire's poor cousin. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, Morganville is insulted by that because Morganville (laughs) is a masterpiece. (laughs) Is it? Excuse me? (laughs) Don't get me wrong. Again, loved them. In the same way that I have a fondness for Twilight, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess they are all on the same boat, aren't they? Like, yeah, I can't be objective about Morganville. <laughs> it just has too much of my heart. <laughs> but they're so bad. But in the in the best way. Don't get me wrong. But they are so bad. I feel like if you make it through a fifteen book series, then <laughs> you know you're 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 past objectivity at that point. Look. And I've read I finished them twice. True Blood, so <laughs> now they are not good, <laughs> but so Train fun, wreck. so yeah. fun. <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, um, <laughs> sh- speaking of blood, should we move on to murder? Let's. There's definitely some of that. There's definitely some of that. There's a lot of attempted murder as well. There is. There's like it seems to come in like bursts of murder. <laughs> <laughs> do you burst know what I mean there's I'm like... suffering from <laughs> bursts of murder a murderous outburst who hasn't had one of yeah. those right <laughs> it just feels like at the end suddenly everyone is at risk of dying <laughs> yeah literally everyone and I know that's like a, a big like epic conclusion thing but it's literally everyone nearly dies <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I I was genuinely worried for Kai for a bit there though. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm glad that didn't come to pass because I like him a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm still You're undecided so... about whether I'm going to read the sequel. I kind of, I kind mm. of want to know what happens to Kai, but honestly, it depends how long the book is. <laughs> I'm I'm waiting out for a, for like an official summary, mm-hmm. um, and then even when it's out, I might wait for some reviews. Fair. I'm waiting for a page count. <laughs> <laughs> Although I am continuing in 2024 my reading goal of reading more books over 500 pages. So I guess it would count towards that. This could it's make another it, big yeah. one, you know? Is it out next year? I'm, I don't know. I made that up. I'm assuming so. Mm. I don't think there's any... I don't think there's any info yet. Because this came out quite late. It was October 2023, so. Mm. So it might be even 2025, but. Could be. I don't know. But anyway, it's it's a continued reading goal to read longer books and to prioritise them and make time for them. Mm. AKA stop hiding from Empire of the Vampire. <laughs> I mean, I've started it. Does Have that you? count for anything? Yeah. yeah, totally. I started it when it came out and then I got distracted. <laughs> That was like two years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. You so, still get points for starting it. <laughs> thank you. I enjoyed what I read too. I just just got distracted as you do with these things. Yeah. It's on my 24 books in 2024. Mm. So we'll see. I mean, I've I've already pre-ordered the special edition of the, the second book. So oh, yeah. I so have I. Read the first. <laughs> and I've got, I have Empire of the Vampire in um, 
three different editions. I've got the extra special boxed magic what are you ever going to do with this book edition. (laughs) Um, The normal hardback. Oh, no. And then two paperbacks because I've got it in white and I've got it in... Oh, you got the gold one. I want to say I got it in gold. So I have four editions of a book (laughs) I haven't read. (laughs) It happens. It happens. Yeah. Um... But murder, there is lots of talk of murder. There, there is. is lots of murder, I guess, generally. Um, There's lots of accidental murder, otherwise yeah. known as manslaughter. Manslaughter, um, yeah. <laughs> with, like, the collapses and... Um, yeah. There's definitely the intent, anyway. Deaths. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's lots of yeah. violence, just in general. It's It's very bloody, yeah. very violent. There's lots of needle... Like, um, uh, uh, like content warning for anyone who doesn't like needles like Mm. they are just taking blood out of each other (laughs) left right and center (laughs) and not even sure what for like and it's not just like tell me why i mean i don't know how the test works when they're testing their blood for like what your magic is i guess um why can't it just be like a little pinprick like like a diabetes test yeah why is it like a whole blooming syringe of blood out of your out of your arm dramatic effect also who i know that i know that obviously some have healing powers it's not a problem but also where are these people getting trained to take blood from a vein because it's a specialized skill and yet here they are just like there we go (laughs) yeah that's a good point actually i hadn't really thought about that yeah if you're a healer no problem like you can just Mm. heal if they miss or if they poke you accidentally put you in the bone because that is if they're doing it in the you you've had bloods taken yeah it's like they funny around for ages trying to find trying Mm. to raise a vein and yet here they are just like bloop and it's so dangerous to do it over and over and over again yeah especially by someone who's not trained to do so (laughs) (laughs) Mm, good point but never mind maybe we should have um, added that to our content warnings yeah maybe was blood on there oh blood is on Blood's there on it's there. fine Blood's i covered on it there. i covered just, it just needles but yeah um so next are we up to we have a dark moody and or haunting vibe it's definitely moody it is it didn't get the the dark academia moody for me but it is moody yeah i think it's more like uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's moody, but it's it is the wrong kind of moody, and I don't mm. know how to explain it. I feel like this kind of links back a little bit to old Gothic architecture, but I found the the moody gothiciness of it in the setting, not necessarily in the building, but in the setting oh, as a whole. Absolutely, like with the caves, you've got the big school, but you've also got the institution, which gave me big Gothic yeah. vibes. Like and just the sea, just like the, yeah. the the act of the sea being present, I think, gives it that kind of vibe as well. And the danger posed by all of those elements in this, what yeah. I'm assuming is a fairly isolated location. Mm. So all of those things together, I think, created quite a strong atmosphere of the dark and the moody um, and the gothic-y. I feel like if we were seeing it from Baz and Kai, it would... It would have the right Kai, especially. Yeah, he's so interesting, and mm-hmm. yet we don't. I just want to know more about him, and we just we don't get it. <laughs> yeah, for like a little bit short changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. 
yeah. Speaking of hero worship. (laughs) (laughs) Sarah's personal hero worship of Kai. (laughs) Hero worship of a particular figure or author. Um, I don't think this comes across for me. I think that there are elements of like idolizing someone or idolizing something, but I don't think it's hero worship in that specific sense. No. Especially not in a dark academia way. No. No. Oh, that was a quick one. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So next up we have old money, which will collide with new money or no money. I I didn't really feel anything about this one either. I just get... I don't know, I get kind of get the feeling that they're all comfortable, if not comfortable yeah. to to well off. Um, I think that <laughs> if you've listened to the audio version, let me just lead into this by saying that whoever the voice actors are, I can't remember who narrates it, but I mean, it is wonderfully acted, mm-hmm. but also very silly. <laughs> it's a little bit. <laughs> It's very absorbing, though. Yeah, definitely. I loved that the different voices kind of gave it a different feel. So, like, mm. there was a different, like, narrator's voice for... um, What do you call it? They're not interludes, but, like, it would be, like, a little bit from yeah. The Drowned Gods, wouldn't it? And like, I think she in... had s- such an alluring voice. Yeah. I think I'd say interlude. I don't know. I'm sure there's yeah. a proper term. I don't know what it is. <laughs> interlude works. And I, I was, I quite liked the effects of Emery's narration mm. um, until until we heard Kieran's voice, and it just made me <laughs> chuckle. I, I didn't get on with Baz's narrator though, and that upset me a little bit. Um, it it didn't really bother me, uh, especially. Uh, Kieran's was quite funny, but Kieran's was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I was like, how is she falling for the for a guy with a voice like this? I don't know if can I re- I don't know if I can reenact it, but it's very it's very plummy, wasn't it? It was like yeah. Oh it it was like Queen's England it was like made in Chelsea but on like on on another level, wasn't it? It's very it's, No offence to Americans, but it's uh an American interpretation of plummy. <laughs> yeah. It's almost like uh, it's a Bridget Jones version of English, isn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I love Bridget Jones. <laughs> um, uh, but it's a it's a very old money voice. I think is what I was yeah, getting at with Kieran. Yeah. And I know, obviously, like that's just the narrative, the narrator's choice rather than. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing reading from the book, that's kind of the vibe that that yeah. they got but um i feel like kieran obviously is very like wealthy mm-hmm. i mean it sets him up really doesn't it to be where he is and the popularity yeah. that he has but he comes from status doesn't he which is, i guess yeah, is why definitely. it's to him such a big thing that he lost his parents like someone like him shouldn't have been subjected to that kind of accident you know it's that no, kind of exactly uh, that privilege coming through there i guess but it's n- money isn't really an issue for any of them. No, no. It's not something they have to think about, is it? 
So next up we have weather as a literary device. Ugh. Um, not really. No. I, th- I will say that it feels, I know it's not because it's just the ocean, but when they're in the caves and they're like talking about the tide and the sun going down and all of that, that kind of does what weather usually does. Yeah, it feels, you can, you get a lot from the presence of water, basically. Like, you mm. just know, you can taste it as well. Like it's Yeah, the salt. Salty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, And obviously they're, and obviously they are very much um, beholden to the tide. So, again, yeah. that's sort of like in place of weather where it's like weather would kind of force them to act in a certain way they Mm. are forced to kind of plan their lives around whether the tide's in or out basically yeah definitely yeah it has although i don't think it says like um kind of continually present in the way that the weather is in dark academia often no is 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 one of those things that feels like it's kind of you know, pick and choose when it applies or when it has an effect. Yeah. Rather than it being like a constant presence or mm. threat, I guess. Yeah. So finally, we have underdeveloped social skills or the protagonist is portrayed as an outsider. Um, I guess at first she's kind of like an outsider in terms of everyone kind of knows what happened and how she's the only survivor um but she doesn't really interact with anyone to make it a problem no she i think she could just puts herself on the outside doesn't she yeah she's so wrapped up in like her inner turmoil and the pain and her grief do they ever uh, eat <laughs> Uh, I feel like no. Not that that's important, but like it, it's just one of those places like we see in Deadly Education. Like oh, the, they like the have food, lunch or cafe- breakfast. The cafeteria yeah. is just very. It's a great place for like something like this to become prevalent, isn't it? Because yeah. everyone's there, so mm. it's a bit like an assembly. You kind of immediately <laughs> yeah. kind of get the feeling. Um, for what's happening, but um, I don't know if they ever, yeah, I ever think... go. Where, where do they eat? What do they eat? Who's cooking it? Um, I feel like at one point, Baz brings Emery something with coffee. Yeah. Or maybe they just exist she say, on coffee. Or doesn't she say something about one of them doesn't like it, isn't it? He doesn't like coffee. Baz doesn't like um, the coffee that she makes because his coffee is like fancy and special. And she's like, oh, right. yeah, I yeah, get yeah. it now. That's it. That's it. Just don't <sighs> get the coffee thing. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I did. Maybe I would feel like a proper adult if I liked coffee. But alas, I do not. Just don't don't get into flavoured iced coffees because it will it will end your world. Yeah, I, d- I just, if it tastes like coffee, I'm out. So, luckily. That's, that's the problem. That's the problem. Oh, they don't. <laughs> like, there's a vague, a bit like, a bit like with like coffee icing, you know? You can yeah, tell I don't that even it's like got that. coffee in it. But I'm just, I don't know why anyone needs to know this, but I am absolutely obsessed with um, 
like salted caramel flavored like ice latte that you get from the supermarket obsessed <laughs> that's so strange for you yeah you just it doesn't taste like coffee. <laughs> it just tastes creamy and sweet. Deadly combo. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Right, that's all that's all of our tropes. All of them. In terms of like usually now we kind of look at isolated elements, criticisms. I think it's such a new book that it was quite difficult to find like anyone else's thoughts on this. Not mm. it's not to say we needed anyone else's no. thoughts, but like um I think we've probably covered most of it. Like I have umbrage with Emery just in general. <laughs> um, yeah. I kind of wish that it was Baz and I've said it again and again, but <laughs> justice for Baz. Yeah. I think my main issue is that it was too long and it needed mm. to be a bit tighter and I think a lot more could have happened in the beginning that would have made yeah. the all of the action at the end more impactful. Like I get world the- building, I get character development, but it didn't quite need 300 pages to do that. No, the pacing was excruciating in the beginning. Yeah, yeah it was. I was really struggling with this. Mm. Um, even listening on 1.3 speed, which is my standard audiobook speed. It took me a long time to get through this because not much was happening to keep me, you know, pressing yeah. play after endless interruptions. Like, there was nothing making me go, okay, let's get back to that. Yeah. I will say the diversity um, and the the kind of range of gender identity and sexuality, I think, was really good. Yeah. And it was pretty effortless. Yeah, which it is, didn't feel shoehorned in, which yeah. I quite liked. And it's obviously like a big criticism of classic dark academia is the complete lack of diversity in any way. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's always worth a shout out when we're talking about um, dark academia books. Mm. Which I guess leads us to the big question. Is it dark academia? No. My gut says no, but another part of me is going, but there are things. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not mad at it if people want to list it as dark academia. No, I don't disagree with it, but for, for me and for what we're looking at and for how we're looking at it, I'm going to say no. No, I think it, it's just, I think it's too, I think it's too far into the realms of fantasy mm-hmm. for it to be dark academia. Yeah, I agree. So our next episode, we'll be looking at Belladonna by Adeline Grace. Orphaned as a baby, 19-year-old Signa has been raised by a string of guardians, each one more interested in her wealth than her well-being, and each has met an untimely end. Her remaining relatives are the elusive Hawthorns, an eccentric family living at Thorn Grove, an estate both glittering and gloomy. Its patriarch mourns his late wife through wild parties, while his son grapples for control of the family's waning reputation and his daughter suffers from a mysterious illness. But when their mother's restless spirit appears claiming she was poisoned, Signa realises that the family she depends on could be in grave danger and enlists the help of a surly stable boy to hunt down the killer. However, Signa's best chance of uncovering the murderer is an alliance with Death himself, a fascinating, dangerous shadow who has never been far from her side. 
Though he's made her life a living hell, death shows Signa that their growing connection may be more powerful and more irresistible than she ever dared imagine. I am so excited oh. for this book. <laughs> I'm going to start it tonight and I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this could deliver like the the paranormally YA that we've been looking for. Yeah. And I always love death as a character. Me too. So good. So yeah, I'm excited about this one. <laughs> so that's what's coming for you um, in our next episode, episode three of the season. If you have enjoyed this episode, we would really appreciate um, you subscribing to the podcast, following the, the podcast in whatever um, fashion you wish on whatever platform. It, we are available everywhere and the episodes are actually slowly coming out on YouTube now. So you can um, subscribe over there at The Dark Academicals. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. We really appreciate you. Bye. Bye.